show is brought to you by MillenniLink, where talent and digital transformations intersect. Hey, Britt. Jess, how are you? Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to the most beautiful, best partner, best co-host. I love you, Britt. I hope you have just the best freaking day, and I hope Trader Joe spoils you rotten. <laughs> You're so cute. Wait, did you Thank get a gift you. yet? Not a gift, no. Well, we not talked, yet. like, it's his birthday is next week, so we're like, okay, let's not, like, go overboard. Two Aquarius. He got me a really nice Christmas gift, so I was like, we don't need to go crazy. Oh, please. I can't wait to talk about that next week. Um, <laughs> what are your guys' plans for the weekend? Um, going upstate. Rented a house in Rhinebeck with a few of my girlfriends. Oh, hello. You didn't tell me about chill. any of this. Yeah, so it's going to be chill. Like, everyone is sending in their negative test results to me as we speak, so that's exciting. Um, going to eat pizza, relax. Is Edlin going? She can't come, unfortunately. She has oh, another no. outing. But I'll see her for Super Bowl. How um, many friends are coming? Just a handful, and we're, nice. I made everyone dress up in Roaring Twenties gear, so everyone ordered, like, some fancy dresses and, like, Aww. the feathers, and it'll be really fun. <laughs> well, it sounds like a great time. Um, speaking of fancy houses, I was looking through all the stories this week, and the main headline is all these, like, humongous home sales in L.A. I'm talking these fame music producers selling homes for like 100 million. Oh my god. I think gosh. Shaq is selling. Everybody's leaving LA in like hordes. Like I, I feel like know. literally everyone who is rich or famous is just piecing on out of LA well, right now. Well, to be honest, like they have been a shit show. Granted, like they're now reopened again, which is awesome, but like they have more cases now than when they closed down California. So, I'm like what's going on there? I'm happy for the businesses, but I just feel like I would never, if I had $100 million to spend on a house right now, I would not choose California. I would definitely do Florida, South Carolina. There's so many other places than well, South Carolina is kind of a hot spot. I don't know. I feel like these these towns will come back, though. So I feel like if you leave, it's sort of like you're leaving the heartbeat. It's I'm not here for it. Um, but anyways, after this, we have a, such a packed day today. We're putting together a little reel for a big podcast network we're really excited about. So everybody, please cross your fingers. Yeah, like it's so exciting. cool. Like so, twenty twenty one. So twenty twenty, we started this in last year. I came yeah, on board in July. July. So we're just kind of navigating the podcast world. Like as you guys know, like podcasts haven't been around for forever, and now we're exploring TikTok and Instagram and just trying to figure things out and just be open to opportunities. So like now we're just trying to say yes to as many things as we can and see what sticks. All right, so for today's show, we have a really special guest coming on. I'm sure everybody follows her, Wall Street Confessions. She runs Bullish. She runs Sad Girl NYC. Her name is Ree Westwood, and we're really excited to have her on the show. So she's going to come on after, but we're going to get through these stories first. All right, so the world's richest man is about to get a little richer. Are you kidding, Jeff Bezos? <laughs> when did he start now? So Jeff Bezos is suing his girlfriend, Lauren Sanchez's brother, for $1.7 million in legal fees. Yikes. They must have had an awkward Christmas. <laughs> Seriously, right? Oh, my right? God. What? Yeah, but you might remember the story. It, it first began in January 2019. That's sort of when everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Bezos is splitting up from Mackenzie. And it was like sort of the big news at that time. And then we started getting more pieces of the story. Like, oh, actually, he's dating this girl, Lauren Sanchez. And it just started developing more and more from there. So... When Bezos was ousted for having his affair with Lauren Sanchez, who at the time was married to Patrick Whitesell, co-head of WME. Also, they were neighbors. Too. Right, we covered that. Yeah, so this guy's like big time talent agent, but like Ari Gold level, they both started WME together. Um, 
Anyways, it was the ultimate big tech move on Hollywood, taking a man's wife, but what followed was bizarre. So Bezos initially blamed Sanchez's brother, like his girlfriend's brother, for being the source of the lurid, remember that parent like dick pics and saucy texts? Like, do you yeah. remember when all that stuff started dropping, call it like January, or call it like March 2019, it got like saucier and saucier? Yeah, and honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I looked really hard for those photos. Like, did they ever actually leak? Because I Googled that <laughs> shit for a long time. I was very curious, and I didn't find Find them. Brit, you kill me. So don't worry. I did the same thing too. Like, did you, but, right? Hey, you're, you're curious. Like, okay. Like, well, does yeah, he really I mean, have it all? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there you have it. The birthday girl, guys. Um, anyway, Sanchez initially, Sanchez, Lauren's brother, he initially denied that he had anything to do with these pictures and texts getting leaked. But then it was discovered that he had contributed as a source, like, because the picture, like, the tabloid companies were threatening Bezos, like, he owns the Wall Street Journal, I think. So they were, like, threatening him on, like, if you drop this article, we'll do this. And he's like, I'm not negotiating with terrorists, right? So anyways, it just makes me feel like this guy, Sanchez's brother, who's also a Hollywood agent, Mm -hmm. was probably, like, bragging to the wrong person in town about seeing Bezos's pics. And in November, Sanchez's lawsuit against Bezos. So then the brother starts suing Jeff for telling people in in the public, like he was defaming him right you know what that means yeah so he sued him back saying you defame me i'm a public figure i'm an agent like i need people to trust me yada yada but apparently bezos didn't take kindly to having his personal life dragged through the mud a second time when he sued him back because today he just asked the judge for sanchez to pay his lawyer fees from all this which he's he's claiming over 1.7 million dollars that is one expensive lawyer bezos is using damn yeah Yeah. and honestly that in his world that's probably like a dollar to him or maybe he's being massively overcharged because that's like you know a lot of money for one suit who knows here's the cake here obviously bezos doesn't need this money but you gotta wonder what is driving all i know that's annoying where he's like now like he's dating this girl and not it's been a long time now at this point like a decent amount of time he's now taking the time out of his life and his relationship with her to go sue her brother like even if he gets the money even if they figure it out like imagine like then marrying her and like hating her brother and the brother hating you like I could never date someone that my family didn't like so I just don't I feel like it's a lose-lose situation I feel like Bezos is pretty gangster here and he's like throwing down and saying like hey guess what no one fucks with me and like he's laying down but it's like at what expense like okay that's definitely his ego speaking because yeah sure he can say don't fuck with me give me two million dollars but now like he'll never have a relationship with his maybe wife's brother ever honestly good on bezos uh too for not kicking lauren to the curb on this one because it's certainly i mean how do you think this guy even heard or seen or whatever these pictures obviously she's running around town bragging about like oh guess what i'm with like the richest guy in the world i don't know Or or he could just be like hey sis like how's the relationship going like is he boring is he cool and she could just be like honestly bro like he's got it going on like yes he's rich but he also is a freak and i love it and then like it could <laughs> but he, you she really talked to your brother that way come on no one actually talks to your brother know, that like, way what but you think oh she's gonna I don't sh- know. flash the dick pics to him like that's even weirder I don't know what's going on at the low house over there, but... Ew, no, I'm just saying, like, that's so weird for her to, like, send her brother the photos. Like, that doesn't make sense to me either. I think she was hinting at it some way, where he probably was, like, telling his friend in the industry, being like, listen, my sister, yes, she's dating Jeff Bezos, and I guess he's a little freaky because, like, she's been getting dick pics on the rag. (laughs) 
That's there you I have think. it. That is a great take. I, I actually am starting to, I don't usually move over to your side when I'm when yes. I'm so firmly planted in mine. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's talk about a different relationship. This one is between Tiffany and their new spouse, LVMH. Do you remember when we covered this drama with LVMH acquiring Tiffany's and then they weren't going to and then they ultimately did? It was all the famous headlines like LVMH is leaving Tiffany's at the altar when that was a sick deal. They like that was a sick deal on Tiffany's end because they closed, signed, finished the contracts. Wasn't it like November 2019? Like signed the signature. It wasn't just handshake deal. And then like Corona hit and LVMH was like, holy shit, I'm out of here. And then they're like, (laughs) not really. Here's the contract. So they battled out, settled on this what was it 15.8 billion yep 15.8 sign seal delivered done so now now tiffany's in the hands of lvmh so what's going on so lvmh which owns moe hennessy owns louis vuitton it owns like venti beauty they have a huge portfolio they plan to bring tiffany more upscale by focusing on gold and precious stones while boosting its presence in both europe and asia so just to give you perspective like they are known for their silver products they currently have a third of their stores in the u.s so they're very much u.s based and like i remember getting their like 150 dollars silver pieces of jewelry for like a sweet 16 or giving mm-hmm. them to my for my friends bought mitzvah like those pieces of jewelry were almost like a like a step into like womanhood you felt like you were truly an adult you know like you felt so cool like getting that blue box you're like oh my gosh (laughs) I made it this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me I would get my initials engraved on every single piece like I lived for these pieces. Who bought you your first piece of silver, Tiffany's? What was uh, your first experience? Definitely my my parents. Oh my god, I was gonna say the same thing. Wait, what, you know your- what? Actually, it was them oh. or this guy um, who who I did have a crush on for a while. Um, he had a lot of money. He I think got me a nice pair of Tiffany earrings for my sweet sixteen. Jeez, that is nice. Mine was. My dad took my sister and I into Tiffany's in Hawaii and he's like, you guys get a little piece. And we were like, it was just like so exciting. And he let us like run around. We went to the lady and I was like, can I try on the biggest diamond you guys have? And she's like, okay. Wait, she said, you asked that? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, but then my dad was like horrified and he came around. He's like, hey, that's bad luck. What are you doing? And I was like, oh my God, take it off. And like, we were just like nuts in there. And he bought us both like the big, you know how there was the little heart from your boyfriend or like the big heart? Yes. Yeah, so we got, got like, the, the big, big silver heart. heart. Yeah, But I do think that gold is becoming very trendy right now. It's so like them pushing into gold. Kind of reminds me with um, Abercrombie finally offering black clothing. Because for years, they're like, we only do navy blue. We don't do black. And Wait, then I like, didn't know that. That's yeah, so funny. Growing up, like they would do all the colors that you could think of. And the darkest that they would go is navy blue. And then they're like, OK, we need to get with the times. Like, let's offer black shirts, black dresses, etc. So like yeah. that kind of reminds me of this move. But I personally think that they were mentioned how their main rivals are Cartier, Van Cleef, and Cartier's entry items are known as like the love bracelet, the love ring. So I think that they're trying to push up Tiffany's entry offerings to align more with those bracelets in that collection because those are predominantly gold and they start at two to five thousand dollars for Cartier um, versus Tiffany starting at a hundred. Got it. Totally agree. To end the story, I think the cake here is that they're trying to push Tiffany's a lot more upscale and trying to change like the fundamental 
essence of what Tiffany's is. Let's see how it works. But LVMH is known to cut and make very quick decisions and close oh, really? stories very abruptly, the leadership at least. Um, so I'm curious to see if they're going to be successful with this or if they're going to continue to close more stores as the pandemic continues. And we all know who's in charge of LVMH. It's Miss Selma Hayek. Yes, and Bernard Arnault, who's also France's richest man, so he's essentially like America's Jeff Bezos. He's yes. the one who's really pushing to elevate Tiffany's presence in the luxury space. But at the same time, he's also known to like close stores left and right when things don't work out very quickly. So let's hope that he has some patience as he navigates Tiffany's into this new normal. And now, before we get into our interview for today, a little celebrity news to finish off the show. JLo will not stop yelling at people that she has never had Botox, and I'm just, I'm over it. In what feels like the hundredth headline that has come out surrounding JLo's controversial new beauty line, she keeps telling everybody the same thing. I've never had Botox, guys. I've only ever used olive oil on my skin. Which drives me crazy because, like, we're now like before even with Instagram like everything was all about perfection like growing up we would only see beautiful models with no wrinkles just perfect and it was so unattainable and so unrelatable and now we're in a really healthy or at least a healthier position um, where people are embracing their curves they're embracing their imperfections and so for someone like JLo who's like the queen of music, queen of beauty, to come out and be like, no, I'm just perfect. I use olive oil and that's why I look this way. It's just insulting to women who already feel insecure about themselves. Like she just makes her, she's putting herself on a pedestal and we know that maybe she's not doing Botox, which I definitely think she is. She's doing like a $10,000 lasers or doing things Mm -hmm. that the normal person would never be able to afford. All right, here's my take. First of all, like everybody else, I don't believe you, JLo. I even went so far as to compare pics of you from your earlier years. Yes, I'm talking like <laughs> I went down the gig. What was it? Jiggly, giggly, her and Ben Affleck's movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I went through that, compared it against Monster-in-Law, where she actually like arguably was wrinkly. Um, made in Manhattan, sort of the same thing, too. And, you know, you've had some upkeep overall. But I've said this before. Botox is sort of like an upper middle class person thing. So if you're like rich, rich, like J-Lo level rich, I'm sure you started like just doing mini facials or doing like the more, you know, scientific proper over the top thing earlier on. Like she probably got her first facelift in her 40s. True. Sure, if you get a, if you get and a there's facelift, not even threading. Like one of my friends is getting consult where instead of doing Botox and filler, they like put a thread through your face right. and they naturally lift it and it's not actually a facelift. So I could see her maybe yeah. doing stuff like that. Yeah, so doctor, it's like doctors always say, like, cool, they're like, you're like, oh, cool, what's cool sculpting? Like, way to get skinny and, like, you know, just sit in the chair there. And they're always kind of like, yeah, it works, but wink, wink, if you want the real effect, like, and you can afford it, go liposuction. So I'm just saying, like, yeah, sure, okay, you don't, you haven't got Botox, maybe you did it once, and then you were able to hide it and go your whole life with saying that. But just be honest, like, you got your tits done, I'm sorry, you had an ass lift. Like, we all saw you naked at the Super Bowl a year ago, which was awesome, like, you were you killed it killed her performance props to you but don't go around telling people that you just put olive oil on your face like and tell- even if she never had botox like maybe that is true it's just like we were saying like there's definitely a lot of other ways like i was told that she has a person when she gets out of her shower bath who's there literally just to put body lotion on her like that's a, that's no a, one that's kind of a wealth i like just would die to have i like, know but i'm like amazing. that's why i'm like i don't know how much that 
that lotion costs, but probably a lot more than I make in a month. So <laughs> like, yes, you might not have Botox, but she's definitely spending a lot of money for her upkeeping and good for her. Yes. Like I love her whole messaging of like, yes, I'm older, but doesn't mean I have to be less beautiful. Like I love her like brand of her beauty line, and everything she stands for. I just think that this is like how she's handling this whole Botox accusation is being annoying is handling really poorly yeah it's what, just do you, annoying. what do you think of uh that household like her and a-rod i think they live in florida now like who has a bigger dick in that room <laughs> like seriously though who do you think is bringing in more money oh a-rod's a good businessman i've heard and she's smart yeah. too i've heard that his like chief finance officer for all of his investments and companies then brought her on to also manage her portfolio. So I have a feeling that he's more established in terms of wealth and managing mm-hmm. his he's finances. He's a business guy. He's definitely yeah. a business guy. Um, but he also has been retired for a while and she's still rocking it with the beauty line and all these, like she's performed at the Super Bowl last year. But would you say, so, we don't, I, don't know. I know you, we're not big sports people, but do you think A-Rod is like Tiger Woods money? Like, do you think they're, they had those similar like $100 million deals? Like, was that their thing? A-Rod? Probably. Yeah. I don't, I have no idea. I, know, I mean, I he had a TV show that I did like. Um, I think he's probably done a lot of investing and has grown that way. He's like a Shark Tank guy. Like, he's in with that crowd. Yes, I think, that's, yes, I think exactly. that's why they work. Like, he he had sort of like the stay-at-home wife, but he wants a woman who's going to be like, like, take him to the next level. That's the vibe yes, I, I get think with he's, them. He, they both seem like they're incredibly hard working people mm-hmm. and like you see them at the gym together like they just have a very not competitive but they have a very healthy lifestyle they like to stay mm-hmm. busy they like to do well and I commend that I love I, I really do love their relationship I love when they got JLo's daughter up on the stage with her at the Super Bowl oh. I was like that was such like a tear-jerking moment and then they had his daughter like interviewing people like it was like a family business that day and I was like that must be a fun that's like, cool a, that's you know what, what I, I mean? want like yeah fam- like bring everyone into the business yes and finding ways to like, keep everyone excited to share those moments together yeah I think they're doing a really good job as a blended family Good call, yeah. And in low-key funny news, J-Lo was, as much as I couldn't stand all the like, oh my God, olive oil, this is how this body looks like this. Fine, that was annoying. But then she does throw out some good jabs. She's like, all men under the age of 33 are useless. Like, just blunt. <laughs> like, that's how it is. I, I'm like, until they're 32, I'm like, are you really old enough? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then another thing I love about J-Lo, Jay Portnoy brought, brings this up and talks about it. She was like a video fly girl. That's how she came up. She wasn't some, like, superstar singer. Like, she was just, like, a, a video girl. And then, you know, she's what a massively... What do you mean by that? She was, like, one of the... Remember in, like, the 90s, like, video fly girls, like, dancing in the back of those, like rapper music videos she did that yeah she was just like a girl in the dance really yeah oh i didn't know that yeah i always cool. thought she was j-lo j-lo from the blocks <laughs> jenny from the block with 2020 behind us finally 2021 is full of hope and promise but new challenges too the new vaccines will allow our economy to make a rubber band type of recovery and soon our thoughts will turn from how to survive the pandemic to how to thrive in the post-covid economy hello 1920s is your business set up to provide an experience relevant to the way customers and employees want in 2021 before covid brick and mortar giants like starbucks were only taking baby steps towards the grab and go experience using their app. But COVID accelerated that process a thousand times over, and they are now shutting down stores across the country, opting to increase the number of walkthrough locations. 
Now, the shop online grab-and-go model is an essential experience to provide for product and service companies across industries, and it's here to stay. Having the tech resources or partners readily available is the key to competing in any digital environment beyond purchasing the technology itself. Let's be real, technology is designed around people. Do you have your 2021 hiring or outsourcing technology plan laid out yet? With MillenniLink, in addition to hiring people for your organization, you can also outsource your projects and maintenance needs to compete in any digital market. If anything, a brief conversation can get you thinking proactively about how to optimize your position for the war on talent in the industry and see increased revenue sooner. They are your one-stop shop for all of your tech needs. Located in Toronto, a leading market for talent in North America on par with San Francisco, Washington, and Seattle. MillenniLink is your direct link to some of the best tech talent in North America at an affordable price. The current exchange rate now is 79 cents on the dollar, so it's allowing you to save money while you focus on rebounding your business and making the most out of 2021. Go MillenniLink. Here's how to reach these guys. You can give them a call at 647 808-2685 or reach out to them directly at www.millenniLink.com slash contact dash us us. Britt and I are super, super excited to have Ree Westwood on the show with us today. She's an internet socialite and my personal friend and the OG finance meme queen, otherwise known as a fin meme account. Britt, did you know what that was until I explained it to you? No. I knew memes are funny, but then I was like, fin, fin tech. But then I was like, oh, finance. That kind of makes sense. There's like comedy memes or there's like, uh, you know, the comedy sites, but there's specific ones to finance memes, which is they're really fun and people who are in them know them. So you probably follow Not Your Father's Broker, Litquidity, Arbitrage Arbitrage Andy, et cetera. Yeah. So all the big players in the fin meme space. Well, Re of Wall Street Confessions is not only competitive with these guys, but she's also the only female at their level. Wow. And Re has parlayed her success into joining a uh, finance media company group, an ex-vice group, came together, put this together. This girl is growing accounts faster than I can count. So if you're interested in learning about branding and social media growth, listen up because the boss is here to teach Woo-hoo! you guys. Re Westwood, I love your name. <laughs> Hello, Re. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, let's start from the beginning because I know you're Jess's friend, but this is our first time virtually meeting. And I just want to know, how did you get into this hustle? What inspired you to start this baby, Wall Street Confessions? And can you tell our listeners who don't know uh, what Wall Street Confessions is? Yeah. So freshman year of college, I had just come straight off of a gap year. I hadn't been in high education or education for that matter in a full year. And where did you go to college? Um, I went to Marymount Manhattan College. And before that, I went to school in D.C. for like a year. Um, So yeah, it was my freshman year. And I was kind of just like really excited to get into finance because since from like a young age, I knew I wanted to do finance. My aunt is head of advisory for M and A at one of the big Swiss or at one of like word vomit um, <laughs> at one of like the bigger Swiss banks. And my brother is in private equity, so I've kind of watched their journeys, and it's always been really exciting for me to see. And I knew that finance involved a lot of strategy, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to be client facing. So. I don't know, like my 10 year plan was to start off in M&A, lateral to investor relations, and then I thought I'd be happy. Um, Nothing really went that way. You took such a a different direction. (laughs) I did. Um, 
Yeah, I was a freshman and I was applying to all these investment banks and I was doing everything I can I could and I was connecting with everyone on LinkedIn. I would send cold emails. I would even reach out to people's executive assistants to get wow, meetings. You were a boss. You really always loved to hustle. I, I was hustling from day one. Um, and then eventually nothing was happening. I was following Not Your Father's Broker, Liquidity, both good friends of mine. And okay, easy one, mic drop. Not your father's <laughs> broker. Love it. Easy mic drop. Love him. He's one of the best. Um, Can he show his face already? Also, like, I did not know how hot he was. And then it's like... He's, he's hot. Okay, okay. Don't... Can confirm. Is he hot yeah. and single? <laughs> no, he's got a girl, I think. Uh, okay. I don't know. But he, I feel like I when, he, when he went to Texas, I feel like he went to see a girl. He put a girl on his page. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Hardos and Heels are always like, get him to show his face. Um, okay, so... Tell our listeners what Wall Street Confessions is. Well, the origin story comes from, like, as I was following these accounts, I noticed no woman was, like, running one. And a lot of the women who are running, like, financial meme accounts are more, like, accounting or are more retail. And I was like, well, why isn't there one for banking? And I made the executive decision to start one because I thought that there was no way that wall street is just perfect you know like there had to be something going on so with wall street confessions almost a well almost 105,000 people uh can come together share their stories we just hit 100k followers a while ago very big milestone but people share their stories and they talk about mental health they talk about me too they talk about racial inequity and it's just really amazing and i'm always grateful to have the platform to give people a voice okay but they also tell really juicy stories too they do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all anonymous. So if someone from like Deutsche Bank is like, hey, can you take this down or let us know more? Wow. I will have to say, sorry, Deutsche Bank, I'm not going to tell you anything. Oh, I mean, ass. even if I did know anything yeah. and Deutsche Bank came knocking at my door, I'd be like, yeah, no. Deutsche Bank is the best joke in Finn memes. So let's just let's just be honest right there. Um, one of my favorite things about your page is how specific it is, right? So I find even with myself, I'm branding my page as a podcast, as me, as a Finn meme, you know, what was your process for narrowing it down and making it so specific? And is that important to be that specific like people like me that are doing like four different things on their page like does that yield less success than somebody like you know people who narrow it down more or does it really matter I mean I don't know in terms of growth what matters but I tell this to all of my consulting clients and I you know kind of follow this on my own I found a niche and I leaned into it and no one else is doing what I was doing so um I think that's part of the reason I am as successful as I am in terms of growth in such a saturated market. So the answer is yes. And can I add to that? So again, like it's really important to start niche and finding that following, but eventually like now you have over 100,000 people following you and loving your content. And so like the next step is figuring out like how do you move forward? How do you grow further? And sometimes like you see a lot of say, my world, you see a lot of people who focus specifically on beauty, but then once they hit a certain like growth rate, then they start being more like lifestyle. So like, how do you balance between staying niche, but then also evolving and continuously finding ways to continuously grow? I mean, I think that's a really good question. And my followers like me because I'm very open, or at least 10% of them like me. <laughs> because on my story, I'm very open about like, hey, this is the designer bag I love right now. This is the dating app I'm using. You know, come with me on my life. I'm a single girl in New York. And it's kind of like a common theme also on Wall Street if you're like working and you're a banker and you're a woman. I mean, come on, we all date the same guys. My <laughs> two friends and I have a group chat where we send each other screenshots of who we've matched with because I went to a dinner party a few days ago and mm. 
um, I saw my friend and she's like, I just got back from a date. And I'm like, you, with who? And she's like, with this guy who does this, this, and this. And I'm like, what did he look like? And she told me and I was like, I went on a date with him. Oh like, my God. a few weeks ago. So... Welcome to, your, welcome to your early 20s. That's like New York City at its finest. You're going to go through that with all your friends. <laughs> yeah. Our experiences were so different. Yeah, I feel like we, like, especially during this time, I had another friend say the same exact thing. In their office, they now have to share who they're going on dates with because that kept happening. So who knows? It's just because the pool's a little bit slimmer in New York during the pandemic. Yeah. Or maybe like... Yeah, well, everyone's in Miami. <laughs> See, that's what that's yeah. the conversation that you have. So you kind of pivoted to Britney's point, but rather than dilute Wall Street Confessions, you opened up NYC Sad Girl, which is actually where I discovered you and opened the friendship because Not Your Father's bro- Broker posted about you, and I was like, that is effing funny. Like, her things, her, her hits are so good. And that's where you sort of evolved into becoming a lifestyle or your personal brand. You haven't diluted your other page with that. No, I mean, not really. I will be honest. I dilute my other page when I want to get Botox or my lips done and I show my followers where I get my stuff or my hair to more at Pretty Boy House. <laughs> Shout out to him. I'm seeing him Saturday. I only post personal things on Wall Street Confessions. Like if mm-hmm. I'm suggesting something and this is going to sound like a very shitty influencer thing to say, but if I'm gaining from it and other people can see where I get, you know, great stuff done, that's fine. But mostly everything lives on NYC. Love it. And so going off of that, so I guess like that's the beauty of having a following and being an influencer is that you get some really great perks like free Botox like which is awesome so in addition to getting great perks like that where do you see the money being made in this business right now yeah I mean there's a lot of ads um there's a lot of partnerships I personally have an agency I signed a creator contract so I have um thank you yeah I mean not a lot of creators in my realm do have that but I'm grateful and I'm blessed to have that and that's where a lot of my money comes in from because you know people take meetings for me or people are like here's a deal that you can have so I think the primary source of income is ads what does that mean here's a deal you can have like like give me an example of that yeah so I mean not to like give give out like the full logistics of like how I work but um if the person who manages Wall Street Confessions or manages me rather is having a meeting with a brand and they're like okay like these are the results we want. They can bring me that deal and be like, we'll give you X amount for X amount of swipe ups. And I'll be like, cool. Yeah, sure. Okay. And so are you that, mindful of like which partnerships you take? Like, do you find that they always should be like finance oriented? Are you open to doing like. Of course not. Hair? She's a Wall Street yeah. girl. She'll do anything <laughs> for the money, right? <laughs> I mean, I no, I'm smiling because I've taken terrible brand deals in the past before I was represented because. I started the page when I was 19, and if you're 19 and you have no money, and someone is like, here's $300 for some questionable (laughs) posts, you're going to be like, yeah, okay, I'll take $300. I'll go to Nobu for the first time. Yeah, and you're just (laughs) like, what's a good rate? Like, sure, this works. But then you have an agency, and you're like, um, they're like, you're definitely undercharging. Here are some different brands. That's pretty cool. Sorry, my last question to you is that, like, yes, so you're getting, you just signed with this agency. They're getting you these really great brand partnerships and you have the second Instagram account like are you also investing time energy money creativity in the other platforms such as Instagram uh, TikTok Triller um, YouTube etc in addition to Instagram or do you think IG is where it's at I'm old school I think Instagram is where it's at but shameless plug I do have a show out on YouTube with bullish called chat explains 
where I go into my dating app messages and I talk to guys I'm entangled with and I make them explain finance to me. Ooh, I like so, that. That is my new show. I'm getting into the YouTube space and I think it's a good extension yes. of the Wall Street Confessions and NYC Sad Girl branding. YouTube space is one we haven't touched yet. So you're sort of going Instagram leaning into YouTube, whereas we're like Instagram leaning into TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Sorry, I like, can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I'm not smart enough to crack TikTok. I've tried. So and hard. like one of my one of my videos got a little bit of traction because I was complaining about um, KPMG guy. <laughs> Anyone would. <laughs> See, the story is he told me he was an investment banker and I was like well you're wearing a KPMG shirt and he's like they have like I'm a banker there and I'm like no you're not you're like a consultant burn, or burn. and then he was like no I'm a banker and then he was so angry at me and then the next day I googled him after like whatever and um yeah what was he, he wasn't a banker at all he was a he's a kpmg I guy yeah like an accountant or an, a consultant and there's nothing wrong with that before everyone yeah. cancels me <laughs> i get canceled every day but just like don't lie about being a banker you're you're using the age-old thing where it's like oh i'm a banker and the guy works like retail front desk at you know a shop on the street and he's playing himself like an investment banker but if you're a true new york city girl you know how to read a tie <laughs> um okay let's talk about growth so was there a certain post or like a moment that gave you a big jump when when did this happen and what did it feel like like on wall street confessions were you 2000 to 3000 to 4000 or is there a minute you went from 10 to 50 never never it's been so slow it's a steady climb and when i started and i was 19 and i had all the energy in the world i would make it a point to post twice a day every day and that's how i kind of hacked the growth because i was posting so much content i was so heavily engaged i'm on these shout out groups whatever but now my growth has slowed down because i don't have time to post twice a day nor do i have you know, the energy to deal with two comment sections. If you go onto Wall Street Confessions and you look at people arguing in the comments, I just, I can't, not twice a day anymore. Oh, that's awesome. Where do you want to take your business? So like, what do you want to grow everything you're doing into? What's sort of the end game? Yeah, I mean, I think hopefully by the end of this year, I want to get into executive coaching because on a daily basis, I'm reading these hard hitting stories on Wall Street Confessions and I just wish people would hire coaches and get better perspectives on DNI and get better perspectives on how to handle gender inequities and mental health. Um, and I think coaching is a good way to kind of get in there. I love that. I have an executive coach and she's like my therapist. She's like my cheerleader, like every up and down, like I'm calling her. So I think there needs to be more coaches and just like more resources for people to navigate their careers and um, be able to handle, especially women in the workforce specifically in finance can be pretty brutal just because the, if the numbers at the office are just not in your favor. So that's cool to see how you're pivoting and leveraging what you've built on social media into executive coaching. I said this to someone the other day. If the CEO of Wells Fargo had a coach, he probably wouldn't have been dumb enough to say what he said, you know? Um, and in a way, it's good that he said it so we all know what's on the table there yeah. and what's going on there. But also, he just shouldn't have said that and he should have known better and their DNI team should have handled that much more strategically. And so for the, our listeners who are not in finance, can you give a quick recap on what happened? So he blamed the lack of diversity at the bank on, quote unquote, a very limited pool of black talent to recruit from. And I, I just think that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. And you don't have to edit that out. I think it's the dumbest fucking Damn. thing I've ever heard. Um, so true to that, true to that. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Like in this day and age, someone could... Especially if you think level, that and be, too. say that. Like you'd yeah. think that you'd consult with someone before opening his mouth like that. 
No. What are you exactly. guys doing with the Jeffries CEO who's funny and super engaging? Are you working with him on your page or is it on Bullish? Um, so I hosted an, a yeah. Zoom lunch with him and five winners from an event we put out on how to make work from home better for junior employees at banks. Um, and I'm also good friends with Skylar Handler, his daughter. Shout out, Skylar. Love you. Yeah, shout out Rich Handler for being fun. Like, Britt, this guy replies. He's a big time yeah. bank CEO and he replies to people. Um like directly so yeah. i thought that was pretty cool on the note of growth i think rich is actually responsible for a lot of my growth because people noticed hey rich handler is talking about mental health and addiction and gender inequities in this random yeah. girls comment section wow like this random page and they want to see what he has to say and he chimes wow, in that's on huge. almost everything you've got the winkle was brothers following you do you ever communicate with them i am trying to hang out with them in miami so We'll fly there. We'll fly there <laughs> to hang with you. <laughs> I heard on Dave Portnoy's podcast, he's hosting like an 11 party in Tampa for the Super Bowl. And I bet the Winklevosses are a part of that. All right. Last question here, Re. Fuck, Mary, kill. The hedge fund guy, the private equity guy, or the investment banker? Oh, God. Um, Mary, the hedge fund guy. Um, I had a big crush on a hedge fund guy um, during quarantine. Anyway. They are um, heartbreakers. He just decided to move to Dallas and never come back. And I'm like, but you like finance and succession and Shakespeare. Come back. And your dad has a Wikipedia page. Like, this is perfect for me. Um, oh, I love a dad. I love a guy with a Wikipedia page. But a he dad, doesn't know so that I know that because I, I did some due diligence. <laughs> he knows. Um, <laughs> and he looked just like Roman from Succession. Perfect match. Oh, cute. I know. Yeah. Um, Although I saw him at the FedEx and he's like five foot five. This one Roman. is six two. So, okay. Ah, so he's we met on the league. Um, okay, so fuck. Okay, so marry the hush fund guy. I would fuck a banker. I feel like I would fuck a banker. And the reason why is that I feel they ha- I feel like they have so much pent up frustration, and like that that would be a fun time. And also, I like that bankers don't do the whole game that private equity guys do. And they're just like, I don't have time for you. I will Uber you over at 137 in between turning turning comments, and we can have a white claw. And <laughs> they they don't go through the whole thing that like lawyers and private equity guys do, because lawyers and private equity guys are like, I want to fall in love, I want to be in a relationship, and then they ghost you and gaslight you. So I will say, marry the hush fund guy, fuck the banker. Sorry to the private equity guy I was hooking up with last year. Kill the private equity guy. <laughs> Boom, and there you have it, everybody. Miss Ree Westwood, our new favorite guest. Be sure to follow her on NYC Sad Girl, which is my personal favorite comedy. Like, she's just the best. And Ree, we'd love to have you back. You've got good stories, and keep up the great work you're doing. Cake for Breakfast is proudly sponsored by Millennialink. It is executive produced by Smart Money NY, hosted by Jessica Devine and Brittany Lowe, edited by Kiana Vazeri, social assets by Taylor Highbloom, and a special thanks to Richard Abate and Savvy Mapofu.